Guys, it is 2023. 20 fucking 23. This is my rebrand era. How would I define a rebrand era? Pedal to the metal, gas to the pedal. And if you get in my way, I'm going to run you over. It is literally the year that I come into my own. I don't need a co-signer. I don't need a sidekick. I know that I'm so worthy of the person that I've always wanted to be because every day I wake up and I decide to be her. So welcome to my rebrand era. So I was home for the holidays and I don't know what happened on the airplane. I was double masked up. When I got home, I was like deathly ill. I was confined to a room. I couldn't come out. I couldn't lift up my head. My body was in aches. I fully thought I was going to die and like not be able to launch this podcast. I was like, this is how it ends. Like, this is how I die. I'm literally popping Advil every four hours. Because I'm like so stressed about being sick, I have this like weird tendency. And this is like the first time that I've publicly ever told anybody about this weird tendency that I have. But when I'm really stressed, I like start to pull my eyelashes on my left eye. Like when I get really stressed, it feels like an eyelash is about to fall out and it's really sensitive. So I'm like trying to like pull that one eyelash that feels like it's about to fall out. 30 minutes later, I've pulled out like five eyelashes. And mind you guys, I wear lash extensions. So it just turns into like a clusterfuck. I don't know. It's the weirdest thing. I've done it all my life. I was doing research the other day about it. And apparently it's called trichotillomania, which is like this urge or this tick to like pull out your hair. Some people pull out their eyebrows. Some people pull out the hair on their head. I pull out the lashes on my eyes. I'm not going to like own that I have trichotillomania, but I definitely have trichotillomania tendencies. I don't know if anyone listening can relate to the urge to pull out your hair, but yeah, I am on my deathbed pulling out my eyelashes and three days into nearly dying, I wake up, the left side of my face is so sore, like just felt like I got punched. So I go to the mirror and I have a sty the size of a golf ball. Mind you, I have no eyelashes on my left eye. My whole entire eye is swollen and I'm just like, oh, this is it. I am permanently ugly. I am not going to be able to record the podcast. Like this is how 2022 wants to take me out. But luckily, by the time I got back to the city, it's 2023 and I am hot and healthy. And that is my energy for 2023. Hot and healthy. Um, I celebrate Christmas. I don't know what you guys celebrate. So I mean, happy belated Chris Mahana Kwanzaa. I actually don't know a single black person that celebrates Kwanzaa. I remember being in elementary school and they would always talk about Kwanzaa like it was like a thing. And I know it is a thing not to be disrespectful to anyone that maybe perhaps celebrates, but I have never met a black person that celebrates Kwanzaa. I'm Nigerian. I've also never met an African person that celebrates Kwanzaa. But hey, happy Kwanzaa if you celebrate. This year, I didn't give any gifts because I'm financially strapped and I need to earn more money. But somehow I talked my mom into getting me a new phone. Um, so this one is the iPhone 14 Plus. Honestly, guys, I know nothing about iPhones. I don't even know what 
phone I had before. All I know is that like everyone else's pictures were looking better than mine. And I'm like, okay, I need a new phone. And the back of my phone was like completely shattered and cracked. And I had had my phone for like three years plus. So I went to AT&T and this guy sells me this phone. And I was like, oh my God, amazing. So I got a new phone. And then I somehow talked my sister into gifting me her mini Bottega silver pouch. It is so chic. It is perfect for a night out. Like I've wanted to purchase that bag for forever, but like my sister had it. So it didn't make sense for me to purchase the same bag my sister had. So I was at home and she was like, what do you want for Christmas? And I was like, money. And she's like, okay. I go in her closet and I'm like, wait do you have that silver Bottega pouch? And she's like, yeah. I'm like, can I like buy it off of you? And she's like, okay, this is what we'll do. She was like, I will sell it to you, but at a discount. So she basically deducted the money that she was going to give me for Christmas from the price of the bag. And I essentially bought the bag off of my sister at a discount. Um, So yeah, I came back to New York with a new phone and a new bag and I was super excited and ready for, you know, my New Year's, but um, my New Year's was rather uneventful and New Year's is correct. There is like this discourse going around on TikTok that like, it's New Year, not New Year's. And while I agree with that, it is one year and it is a new year, when people say, New Year's, a lot of the times they're referring to New Year's Day, New Year's Eve. So when I say my New Year's, I'm referring to my New Year's Eve. But like if I say Happy New Year, I'm going to say New Year because it's one New Year. So I feel like there's a lot of confusion around that, but I'm saying it right and I know I'm saying it right. So anyway, my New Year's was rather uneventful. I have never spent New Year's in the city. I don't think that you should. I don't think you should be home unless you live in a warm climate for New Year's. Like, go to the beach, go to Mexico, go to Miami, like, lay out, tits out, bikini, ass out, like, strappy sandals, dewy, sun-kissed. Like, that is how I like to bring in the new year. But this year, being that I had to launch this podcast and I was waiting until the new year to record because I didn't want to, like, get on here and be like, Happy New Year! And it was actually, like, December 27th and then, I don't know, on December 31st, something like major happened in my life and I wasn't able to update you guys. So I was like, I'm just going to go to the city. I'm going to go home and I'm going to keep my head down. I considered going to Soho House to ring in the new year. And the only reason I was going to do that is because my friend was like, I got you. I'll put you on the list. You won't have to pay for the ticket. I think it's really silly that you pay for a membership to Soho House and then they make you pay for their really big parties. I totally get it. If I was going to Soho Farmhouse or if I was going to 180 House in London, I would totally pay for a ticket to go to a party. But I just think it's really silly that you have to pay for a ticket to your home house, like your local house. That should not be it. If it's your home house, I definitely don't think you should pay for a ticket. So my mentality 
mentality was like, this New Year's, I'm staying home, so I'm not going to like pay to stay home. Either I'm going to be on the list or I'm not going anywhere. Long story short, my plug fell through. Um, My plug was supposed to get me and three other people on the list and we weren't going to pay for tickets, but something happened and their plug wasn't responding to them. It was either I paid to go to the party or I found something else to do. So I hit up my friend and this is last minute. We're literally sitting on our laptops at like 6 p.m. on New Year's Eve trying to find alternatives. He's like, well, why don't we go to the Times Square edition? And I'm like, okay, like I love the edition. It's my favorite hotel. It's super sleek. It's super minimal. It's super lush, like elevated, like everything that you want out of luxury is the edition. So I'm like, okay, that sounds great. I mean, it sounds expensive and I'm on a budget. So how much are the tickets? And he's like, oh shit, they're $2,500 a person. And I'm like, okay, obviously I'm not doing that. So then I got this like delusional, delusional idea well, why don't we just fill up our tumblers with like tequila or wine and go watch the ball drop? That sounds like a New York movie. Imagine the photo with the confetti and the lights of Times Square. Like, I don't know what got into me, but that is what I wanted to do. If you don't know, if you're not from New York, if you know nothing about New York, going to Times Square for New Year's Eve is social suicide. It is a death wish. It is literally the bottom of the barrel. Worst idea ever. And I was like, I want to do it. I want to go to Times Square for New Year's Eve. And my friend is listening to me like I need to be in an insane asylum. So obviously that didn't happen. I ended up not going out. He went to Soho House. He paid. Good on him. I was not going to pay anything to go anywhere. So I ended up just staying home in my apartment by myself like a loser. And I ordered Joe's and I was reading some Cosmo. Then when I finished my pizza, I made some really yummy detox tea because I mean, I wasn't going to enter the new year five pounds up. Not going to happen. Sorry. And then I started watching The Crown, turned that shit off by like, I don't know, like 10. And I was fast asleep before the new year. So the next morning I wake up to a text message from my friend and he's like, someone got stabbed in Times Square last night. And I was like, holy shit, that could have been me. So happy we didn't go. Happy I stayed in and happy new year. So last year I turned 25 and 25, if I had to define it in one word, clarity. I had so much clarity. It was like the veil lifted and I had no more time for bullshit. If someone was going to play a game in my face, I was going to stop the game and be like, you can actually get the fuck out. You can actually get out of my life. And I just didn't care if I was going to be this villain in anyone's story. As long as I was protecting my peace and my sanity, like I'm going to be the villain in someone's story. But as long as I'm the hero in mine, then I'm fine. I had spent a lot of my life growing up wanting to be liked. But time and time and time again, I'm reminded that people are going to hate you. People that you don't know are going to hate you. And that is okay. I'm not going to be everyone's cup of tea. I just didn't care anymore. I like don't care if you like me. Turning 25 was like 
my year of coming into my own and finally feeling confident to like not need a sidekick. All my life, I have needed like a sidekick. Walk into the room, as long as my sidekick is in that room, like I'm good. Doing any business venture, I wanted a sidekick because I didn't have the confidence to do things by myself. People could play games in my face all day and because I felt like I needed them, I would just allow them. I was more so like forced to come into my own because I was being confronted with so many challenges and every single challenge was saying kim like you can do this on your own kim like you can stand up by yourself and find your own voice and you don't need someone to echo your voice you don't need someone to stand on the stage with you you don't need a million people in the crowd for you to find your voice and for you to speak up for yourself and so i got super clear on my direction and that was like the starting point for me it just clicked for me one day when i was like okay who is kim Moving to New York and being this transplant, it can feel so lonely and you feel like Yes, you're in the center of the universe, but you're in the center of the universe by yourself. And so with this podcast and with this platform, I decided that I was going to create spaces that I needed, spaces for girls to just be girls, for all of us to just figure this shit out together. Growing up, I definitely thought I had self-worth. I know we all like think, oh, like I love myself or I know my worth. I would never let anyone walk all over me. Defining my self-worth really came down to me committing to myself. Like it came down to me saying I was going to do something and then doing it. I don't know. I know they say you don't just like wake up one day and become this better version of you. You have to like decide to be the better version of you. And so by me committing to myself, I just became this better version of me. And I felt worthy of my dreams. I felt worthy of the person that I've always wanted to be because I was watching myself become her. Once you know the value of you, setting boundaries is like clockwork. I did not, for the life of me, know what a boundary was. It wasn't until I deeped it and I was like, okay, I may not know what a boundary is, but I know what it feels like when people cross my boundaries. Like I knew what it felt like to feel like shit because of somebody else, but I didn't know there was a way to stop the game. Once I understood the value of me, it was like the most definite way to know when people and life had me so fucked up. I just got really clear on my direction, my worth, and my boundaries. Grounding myself in those three principles has really allowed me to make the most informed decisions for my life and like who I want to be. Okay, you guys know that I am... <laughs> honestly the biggest lover girl like I love love I love falling in love I love the idea of finding my person like I am such a Pisces like through and through I'm such a dreamer but this year I am officially rebranding the lover girl when I was 22 I moved to New York honestly to fall in love like I was like oh I am going to find my husband in New York and have babies and live my best life and um three years later I'm 25 and I'm honestly not looking to fall in love and this sounds crazy even coming out of my mouth but last year I started noticing something like men that are 25 or men in general prioritize their career and personal growth while women prioritize men and falling in love with them 
And I just don't want to do that anymore. Like this is the year that I prioritize me and I'm not going to let wanting to fall in love or wanting to find my person distract me from growing as a person. Women make a lot of compromises and sacrifices in the name of love. And I just don't want to be that person. Society places the most unrealistic timelines and pressures on women to make the biggest decisions of their lives in the tiniest windows of time. Like, there's so much pressure for us to fall in love, get married, and by the time you're 30, pop out some kids. But, like, men have all the time in the world to even figure out if they want to get married, if they want to have kids, who they want to have kids with, who they want to marry. And there's like this weird pressure for women to do everything super quickly because of this fear of 30 that is oftentimes perpetuated by men. I am unsubscribing from this ridiculous fear of 30, whereby women's value diminishes exponentially when she turns 30 because, oh, now your eggs are drying up or, oh, now men don't want you and they want your younger counterpart. I was talking about this on my close friends last week and this girl sent me a message about how this guy that she went on one date with sent her the most vile text message. I'm going to read some of our DMs because, you know, it's not my story. Let's call her Sally. So Sally's telling me how she went on a first date with this guy and it was kind of awkward and he was kind of weird, but she felt like maybe because it was the first date, like he was just having nervous jitters um, and wasn't being himself. So she's like, okay, maybe I'll give him, you know, another chance. If he's down to go on a second date, then I'm down to go on a second date. Me personally, I have this rule that like if the first date is like overly awkward, overly weird, then like I have absolutely no interest to like figure out if this is like a regular person or if this is an axe murderer. So me personally, I would not have given him the grace to go on a second date um, because a lot of times I like to take chemistry for face value. I'm not a chemist and I'm not trying to mix potions to like make this a thing. Um, But good on her for being open to go on a second date with him. So after the first date, he hits her up and he's like, hey, like, are you down to go bowling? Which cute an activity date, go for it. And she was like, okay, I'll go bowling with you. In the days leading up to the date, he is like not communicating with her, like no communication. So she assumes he's ghosting her and she's like, okay, whatever. We're clearly not going on a second date. So then she says, After not hearing from him about the bowling date, he texts me out of the blue and invites me over to his place. He tells me, hey, do you want to come over? We can watch a movie. We might not do any talking, but we'll have a good time. So obviously he's inviting Sally over to hook up and she's like, fuck this guy and just ignores the text message. So after ignoring him, the next morning he sends her this text. I'm going to do my best like pathetic male voice ever. You know, you're almost 30, right? Most of your eggs are already dried up. That's a fact. TikTok, TikTok, TikTok. That's your limited value going out of the window. Best of luck, you age glass of milk. Mr. Perfect isn't out there. You're too old to be picky. Sorry for being honest. Your life sucks. (laughs) Can you imagine an incel? sending you a disrespectful text message like that after inviting you over to hook up with him when you barely even know him? 
I would rather drink bleach. I would rather die. I would literally take his photo and put it on the internet next to this text message and be like, beware this incel misogynist. This is exactly what I mean when I say some men perpetuate this fear of 30. Like, I don't know if it's like something that some guys think they have over women or some men truly believe that a woman's value decreases when she turns 30 and they genuinely think that our only job on this planet is to bear children and that once we reach a certain age, we're out of our prime and nobody's gonna want us anymore. That is such bullshit. I feel like because some women want kids, it fuels these timelines and it fuels these pressures for us to make all these decisions super quickly because, you know, biologically, as you get older, your egg count decreases, right? And your eggs aren't as viable. But thanks to modern day science, men are buying hair plugs, they're buying Viagra to get it up, and I will freeze my eggs and have kids on my own terms with the partner that I want to at whatever age I see fit. I was doing research There's like this 15-year study by NYU on fertility preservation, and 70% of women that froze their eggs before they turned 38 were able to um, have a baby versus 20% of women that went through IVF being able to have a baby. So like we really do have options out there for us to not succumb to these pressures because we want kids. And if you don't want kids, then this conversation like is ridiculous to you and you're just like, oh, I'm in no rush to do anything. Like I'm just living my life. But this year, I think I want to live like a man. I want to be a man in the sense that I want to be so selfish. I want to be so laser focused on me. I want to be so laser focused on my career, on my personal advancement. And I'm just going to do that for a year or maybe five years. I don't know. Um, But I am not anymore subscribing to these ridiculous pressures to get married, to find the love of your life super, super quickly. I don't think that's what life's about. I think we're just supposed to go with the flow. And that's what I want to do this year is go with the flow and do things on my own terms. I feel like I need to preface this next section. Any potential suitor that is listening to my podcast, this next topic is pure satire. I do not work this hard to take your money. So let's talk 2023 money moves. All of a sudden, the amount of money in my bank account and the amount of money coming into my bank account does not support my lifestyle. So let me tell you about my lifestyle, okay? For one, I live by myself in Lower Manhattan and my rent just went up $700. I almost pay $3,000 a month to live in Manhattan. Yes, I got a raise, but my raise did not offset my rental increase, which I think is astronomically asinine, but that is neither here nor there and we will deal with that issue in 2023. As I've mentioned before, I have my Soho House membership. Shout out to under 27, but it's still $2,000 a year and they take out their money every couple of months and every time I get that charge like my stomach just drops and I'm like fuck shit damn and I rush to Soho House to go spend more money because I'm like okay well gotta get my money's worth I like to typically buy three bags a year so I'll buy one bag in the spring one bag in the summer 
and then one bag around bonus season. And then I like to buy like two to three pieces of fine jewelry a year because I'm getting older and I really need to have pieces to pass down to my babies one day. So I like to get fine jewelry. Then I travel like seven times a year. And honestly, that's really not a lot at all, especially when you factor in holidays and things that you're supposed to be away for. So for example, there's New Year's, my birthday, summer, Labor Day, Thanksgiving, Art Basel, Miami, and Christmas. So really, that's that's really not a lot of travel, but that is like my baseline seven times a year. And then I live in New York and I Uber everywhere. And if you only knew that it costs like $40 to go five blocks, you would buy the best running shoes and walk everywhere. But because I'm a night owl and I only go out in the evening, I cannot take the subway. I know the subway is financially responsible and economically efficient, but I am a woman. I am a beautiful woman. I am a young, helpless woman. I cannot fight to save my life, okay? I once got attacked in Harlem and I ran in my heels down the street crying and screaming. I cannot fight for shit, nor should I ever have to fight to defend myself, okay? So I take Ubers everywhere and it is so expensive. And so this year, I would like to, you know, double my travel, maybe. I want to be able to order an Uber and not look at it. I want to double my fine jewelry purchases. And I can't do that with the current state of my bank account. So I was doing research and trying to understand How are the girls making money moves? What are the girls doing to make long game money moves? Not like soft life that may be sex life money moves, if you know what I'm saying, Um, but like the true money moves. How are they legally and effectively advancing their pocketbooks? So there's really only two legal options. The first option, the girls are marrying filthy rich. When you turn 25, you start to notice something that I will call the gold rush. You move to New York, you have all your best girlfriends, everyone's super ambitious, everyone wants to build an empire, everyone wants to be the next, I don't know, Emily Wise or Elizabeth Holmes before she got taken down for being a complete fraud. But everyone has all this drive. And then all of a sudden you turn 25 and you start to notice your friends dropping like flies. They're like, it is way too much work to work. I would rather put all of this effort and work into marrying filthy rich so that I can be financially stable. And so you watch your friends move across the world and move across state lines to go and be with these partners that can provide them financial security. And honestly, good on you good on you. As I always say, do what you got to do. And if you have to marry filthy rich and that is your way of advancing your pocketbook, then good on you. I mean, it's really giving first marriage at 25, second marriage at 35, but I don't knock the game. It is really hard work to like try to be an independent woman and try to be the CEO of some new startup. I'm not saying that it's easy to marry filthy rich because um, you have to have a lot of very specific attributes and you really have to measure up to go and grab a big fish. So I may or may not be considering it, um, but that's one legal option. Option two, the girls are getting pregnant. 
And let me specify, they're not having babies by your average Joe. They're having babies by your money bag Joe. The other morning I was making my matcha and scrolling through the interwebs and I saw this article and it was like, Tristan Thompson pays XYZ $15,000 a month in child support. And then it got me thinking, are these girls paying taxes on child support? So then I Googled, are these girls paying taxes on child support? And this is what the IRS has to say about child support payments. Child support payments are neither deductible by the payer nor taxable to the recipient. So when you hear headlines like Tristan Thompson is paying $15,000 a month in child support, that's $180,000 a year. Do you know that you would have to earn a $300,000 salary to take home $180,000 a year? Do you know who earns a $300,000 salary? An orthopedic surgeon, a neurosurgeon, a chief financial officer, not baby mamas, but here they are scamming these men out of good, untaxable income. While I don't know if I personally can you know, produce a child for the sake of $180,000, it really sounds like the oldest trick in the book. And now I get it. And I respect you women for what you're doing. It sounds like a win-win. It sounds like a mutually beneficial situation for you and the child. The child gets a great life. You get a great life. You have all of the attention to give the child because their father could potentially be absent. I mean, if I were someone out there that was thinking about doing this type of thing, I would probably limit it to like one kid. I don't know if I could watch like an entire preschool of children for some cash, you know. All I'm saying is if I end up knocked up in 2023, just know that I am legally playing the long game. Let's unpack friendship standards. I had a near death experience with an Anna Delvey New York style grifter this year. Not Anna Delvey in the sense that they were living out of 11 Howard or flying, you know, to Marrakesh on the drop of a dime. Anna Delvey in the sense that every single detail about their life was a lie. I had someone in my life that was super close to me and very adamant about being super close to me, but little did I know, I didn't know anything about them. I knew absolutely nothing about them. All I knew is that they claimed to live in between New York and LA and they were this jet setter, right? They worked in television. They would post photos on set or their Instagram story was full of photos of like D-list celebrities, the Brielle Biermans of the world, the latest Bachelor reality star, you know, the corner of a Birkin or their newest Prada purchase or views of Calabasas. Like that is all I knew about this person. And it wasn't until I realized that this person was a complete poser that lived in a basement in Virginia and was pretending to be someone that they weren't, that I was like, holy shit, the bar for my friendships is in hell. I was not doing a good job vetting these people. And no, you don't need to go through such a tragic experience like mine, getting scammed by someone that you thought was your friend. But Getting scammed is a really good way to reflect and find out 
why the hell you got scammed. I think it's really funny how we have the highest standards for the men in our life, but when it comes to the friends in our lives, like where are the standards? I had such low standards, but such high codependency. So people could get really close to me really fast. Like there was no barriers to entry. If you could make me laugh, if you were attractive, then oh cool, you could be my friend. And so because I don't wanna get scammed anymore and I don't wanna keep cutting people out of my life because you know they're not good friends, I created a very simple system for myself so that I could, I don't know, have some damn standards. So the first thing that I need to do is I need to stop being shallow. And I know you're probably judging me right now, but you're shallow too. We're all shallow. If you have an Instagram, if you post photos with filters, if you Facetune, if you use filters, you are shallow. Why? Because the world is shallow and being shallow is very common. So this year, I am going to figure out why I'm so shallow with a therapist. But if there's one thing that I've learned when it comes to people in general, not all that glitters is gold. It's so easy to trick shallow people, people that are only focused on the surface level shit because you're like, oh, they have a cool job. Oh my God. Thank God you live in a neighborhood that I can safely walk in. I just realized that as long as someone has a pure spirit and someone is kind, it doesn't matter where they work. It doesn't matter their job title. It doesn't matter where they live. As long as they're being honest and truthful about all those things, because one thing you'll start to realize is that a lot of people are liars and a lot of people are lying. So as long as they're truthful and they're honest, I think that's like the first checkbox. And if they don't check that, then you check them right out of your life. The next thing that I'm going to start doing is paying attention to the stories people tell about themselves. Guys, people tell on themselves all the time. If you just listen to people talk, they tell on themselves. For one, if someone is trying to impress you, this person is probably trying to manipulate you. If someone is constantly talking about their Rolex or if someone is constantly talking about, you know, the fact that they're a jet setter, like this person is literally flashing all these shiny things in your face so that they can play behind the scenes. And this person is trying to manipulate you. Um, so pay attention to whether or not someone's trying to impress you. I feel like that's like the ultimate red flag and you don't want friends that are like consistently, constantly trying to impress you. Like that's exhausting and that is a form of manipulation. Next, pay attention to their patterns. Pay attention to the things people are talking about. If someone is constantly talking shit, 10 times out of 10, they're a hater. And at the drop of a dime, they're going to start hating on you. And you don't need haters in your circle. So if someone is talking shit, unfortunately, babe, they really can't be your friend unless you want to regress in life. If your goal is to regress in life, then you keep talking shit with your friends. You keep those shit talking friends because they're so funny and they're so fun. No. Those are the people that are going to turn around and start talking shit about you. So we don't do that. We don't want that. Ultimately, when filtering friends in and out of your life, you need to listen to your intuition. Like your intuition is your ultimate compass in life. Like any friend that I have had to abruptly or slowly phase out of my life, like my intuition told me they weren't good for me. My intuition told me like, okay, Kim, 
Are you sure you want to keep this person in your life? So I always say, if it smells like shit, it's shit. You don't need to do a nosedive in it to know that it's shit. If you deal with the scammer, you're going to get scammed. If you deal with the player, you're going to get played. And if you deal with the girl that fucks people's boyfriends, she's going to fuck yours. I know a lot of times we think, oh, but like she wouldn't do that to me. No, babe. She just hasn't done it to you yet. So pay attention to people's patterns, pay attention to what people reveal about themselves, and ultimately listen to your intuition. It's time for our weekly pick-me-up because everyone needs a shot of motivation sometimes. This shot was sent over by Brianna Weist and it completely encompasses my rebrand era. It completely encompasses my perspective on life and how I'm going into life moving forward. And it really has helped to explain all the changes that I've been through. Um, so I hope it motivates you. And, you know, if you're feeling a little anxious, it brings you some comfort. Your new life is going to cost you your old one. It's going to cost you your comfort zone and your sense of direction. It's going to cost you your relationships and friends. It's going to cost you being liked and understood. It doesn't matter. The people who are meant for you are going to meet you on the other side. You are going to build a new comfort zone around the things that actually move you forward. Instead of being liked, you are going to be loved. Instead of being understood, you are going to be seen. All you're going to lose is what was built for a person you no longer are. God, that quote gives me chills and makes me feel so seen. As you step into your rebrand era, I want to leave you with this message. Figure out who you want to be and finally become that person this year. I'll see you guys next week.